listening to The Real. Man, I appreciate them dudes for talking about The Raw. Wait, they were talking about The Relatable. That's exactly what I've been going through. The Relentlessly Real Podcast. What's going on, Relentlessly Real Podcast family? It's your boy, John. We are going to tune into part two of the politics discussion with Philip Watson. Tune in and enjoy the show. John, I'm getting chills. I didn't know that we were going to have this type of conversation today because I feel like I feel like my points are being made. I mean, you're a Republican, whether you know it or not. I think all black people of conservative business values are more Republican than Democrat. But again, and you said it very clearly, like it's hard to get beyond the character of it. And I think the character, I should say caricature of the racist has been put as a face on the Republican Party. Yes, absolutely, there are racists in the Republican Party. But when I tell you, I went to a meeting on Capitol Hill, Donna Edwards of Maryland, when I was living in Maryland, and the conversation was about reducing the birth rate of black women between the ages of 14 and 29, something like that. And they were like, well, why are we endeavoring to reduce this birth rate? They said, well, we studied the same age group in Montgomery County and their birth rate was this, the black girl's birth rate were here. So we, we figured we need to bring that down to something more. And they were like, well, we did a research survey and they said the black girls in PG County determined they know where the places are, they know how much it costs and they can afford it. So they said they don't need any more access. And they said, well, we know that's not true. They just don't know what they don't know because their birth rate is so high. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know if that's eugenics. I don't know if that's genocide. I don't know what to call that, but I don't think it's, when I'm, again, my number one issue is building the black family. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that meeting of black women with one white woman giving these numbers, and, and I don't know, it just seemed to me like an attack more of a building. Like, are we building the black community? Are we building up women? Are we serving children? Are we just trying to keep them down into a certain position? Just keep them here under this cap. So when I'm with Republicans, sure they might be 20% racist. <laughs> I'm just saying, just a random number. I doubt if it's that many, but let's just say, for the sake of argument, I'm gonna play devil's advocate and just exaggerate. 20% of these dudes in this room are racist. Right. But I'm like, I know you don't like me, I don't like you. Here's what I'm trying to do. There's no hidden agenda. My cousin said he went to meetings. They pull the guns out and sit them on the table. I prefer for you to pull your guns out. We all sit our guns on the table. You know what I'm working with, mm. right? But here's what I want, here's what you want. Let's have a conversation. But in the Democrat party, I feel like they're rubbing my back. Oh, you're so, so sorry. So you've been through so much. I love you. Um, you know, love is love, uh, all this other stuff. Meanwhile, with the other hand, they're doing some backhanded dealings yeah. that doesn't benefit me at all. Like, I don't care how much you love me. I'm trying to eat. Yeah. I don't care how much you're not a racist. My, I need to make sure that my, my daughter can go to school for a reasonable price. Like, I, these, are, these are the things that I want to talk about. I don't Get off of me. I don't care how much you love me. I don't care about these sweet words. Let's talk about business. So, Phil, let me ask you that because I, I think this is a good point to bring up because especially for people who might watch this podcast, and that's why when I thought about the idea of politics, like this is a good time to educate people because a lot of people don't know where they stand politically. They just, like you said, like John said, they just vote for what their parents vote for. I know that was me for a long time until I got to college. Like, and so, mm-hmm. like, for people who don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. Democrat Republicans really tied to political spectrum, conservative, conservative versus liberal, right? Mm-hmm. So, what is what what are the what are the things in the conservative platform that has leaned you to be a conservative? And I think then John and Tony can say what are some things on a liberal platform 
that have leaned them more on a liberal side. So what is it about conservatism that pushes you towards conservatives? Like, what right. do you believe? Before I answer that, I just want to say, like, I think I believe these numbers. Somebody told me 80% of people are moderates. Yes. I think 80%. Complete fact. Complete like fact. moderate. 10% is this end and 10% of the other extreme end. But they play it. They play it as if it's 50 50. No, it's just not that way. But um, so for me, the very first, so I was 18 years old and um, and I just don't know nothing. All I know is that my grandmother is a pastor. My, my mom's dad is a pastor. My mom, yeah, that's all I know. Christian history, we don't, because very conservative household. I'm listening to the people, I'm 18 years old and um, dang, what was the old dude's face? A really crunchy, saggy face. Um, horrible looking man that was running for president in 2000. Uh, two uh, two thousand four. Not not um. I know you're talking about. His name just slipped my tongue. But anyhow, he kept talking about his lesbian daughters. Look, I know lesbians, and we're great friends. I I love lesbians, right? But if you go, <laughs> if you want to be the you running for the presidency of the United States, I'm listening for what you like. What are we talking about for the nation? And he just kept talking about John Kerry. Well, John Kerry, like my lesbian daughter and her wife, my I'm like, bro, what else you got to talk about? Then I turned to Bush and Bush is talking about, you know, the economy and Bush is talking about this and talking about that. All of these non hot button issues, non emotional issues. So I'm looking at Kerry like, bro, you all you trying to do is make the country lesbian friendly. And he's talking about making us great. And I think that's a difference between a lot of people who find themselves on one side versus the other. Like, I, I for one, don't really respond so much to the emotional appeals in general. I respond more to numbers, facts, and figures. So I'm like, so that was the very beginning for me. Like, I saw the Democrats appeal to the emotional, they appeal to, you know, the feelings and all that stuff, while I felt like Republicans dealt with numbers. And one of the, the reason why I switched my, um, my joint, I wanted to vote for, uh, the other old dude. I can't remember nobody's okay, name. You can't remember nobody's name. I, I, I voted for Bush in that election. I didn't vote for Kerry. I remember I remember I voted for Bush. So that was my first time. And I remember I watched this documentary, bro, called My Alpha 21. If you want to look that up, it's a like one hour, 45 minute documentary. It'll blow your mind. You'll tear up. You will be angry. But it's M-A-A-F-A 21. And you can just go to myalpha21.com or search it on YouTube. But it talked about the founding of Planned Parenthood. And people like, oh, Planned Parenthood. No, no, no. Let's just set your emotional opinion aside. And let's just look at the facts of the founding of Planned Parenthood. I don't care what you feel about Planned Parenthood. I don't care what you feel about abortion. Who cares? Let's talk about the facts, dates, quotes. What did they say? The founders of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger said, black women don't know when to stop breeding. Animals breed, not humans. They don't know when to stop breeding. They grow like human weeds. We need to get rid of the degenerate strains in our population. Degenerate meaning off of center, not good. We need to get rid of them. So she, along with the Birth Control League, which is the name of the organization before the name change, their name changed to Planned Parenthood. Their whole endeavor was to decrease the births of Blacks, and to decrease the births of people that have mental or physical disabilities. So they force, um, help me out. I told you I didn't get much sleep last night. They forced, <laughs> sterilized, they forced, look at me. 
I about to say castration? <laughs> what are you talking right. about? They forced sterilized women. Like mm -hmm. women, like say one of these women that was in that documentary, Mafia 21, she was raped by her uncle, right? So she was raped by her uncle and she became pregnant. She went in to birth the baby, but she was 14 years old. So the doctors at that time had the ability to, because of the laws, and much because of the plant, the uh, the pushing of plant uh, birth control league at that time, they sterilized her. They birthed her baby, baby, and snipped her and sewed her up so she couldn't have any more babies because she was a part of this degenerate population. She didn't find out till years later. She's married, trying to have a baby, and found out. Oh, I've been I've been sterilized. I had no idea. So, if you look at the history of that organization, and you fast forward just eighty years, and you hear uh, Crooked Hillary saying. Margaret Sanger is my hero. She's a shero. I'm like, how could you say this? That's a slap in black people's faces because we don't know that history. Right. Because when I tell people to watch my Alpha 21 and they see it's an hour, 45 minute documentary about abortion and uh, Planned Parenthood, I don't care. I don't want to watch that. But I watch 45 seconds of you telling me how racist Trump is. Right. I'm, and that's why we don't know. We don't right. know. Like We don't want to watch things like that. That's That's tough. That goes against what we have felt is true. But that documentary, when I watched that in 2009, immediately changed my, and guess who gave that to me? A white person. No, it was a black guy, a black Republican. I mm. was working, He, I, I met this dude, it was 100 Black Men of America meeting, and I met this black guy at that meeting. Didn't know he was a Republican. I said, bro, I was so impressed with your boss's speech, and we can work together. He brought me on. He let me watch that documentary, read some stuff. And I was like, yo, we've been bamboozled, for real. We don't even know the extent to which we've been bamboozled. The answer is not in the Republican Party, but it's not in the Re Democrat Party. But if you talk about principles, the principles are Republican Party. So you're so like conservatively. What are the things you're against? Like, so you're you're against abortion. Like, what are uh, they? So I'm not. That's not a political thing for me. It's it's more of a. Uh, um, so my my views on abortion are not actually complicated. I do believe that the baby in the womb is a life. I do believe that if you want to murder anybody, if I want to murder my neighbor, I have the right to go. I don't have the legal right, but I can leave my house now and go next door and murder him. Right. And then there could be ramifications for it. So a woman. That sounds really bad to say that, but I do believe a baby in the womb is a life and she it is her body. I don't think it's my right to tell her what to do with her body, but it's also my right. It is my right to say I don't want my tax money going to that. So as far as political, as far as politics is concerned, I don't think the government should be at all paying for abortions at all. That should be a medical, uh, medical care issue, a medical uh, insurance issue, not a government. We shouldn't be giving Planned Parenthood five hundred million dollars or five hundred, whatever it is, a year, because Planned Parenthood, its founders said we want to get, we want to reduce the black population, and people say, oh, that was so long ago. But don't you remember the Donna Edwards meeting I just went to? Two years ago, they said the same exact thing. We're trying to reduce the number of births in the black population. I'm like, but people don't want to hear this because it's difficult to hear. But these are Democrats who are telling me that black people don't know when to stop having kids. Black people, and this is what I heard from another Democrat, they don't know what to do with their money. We have to spend their, tell them what to do with their money, tax them and take, because they don't know what to do with it. I'm like, this is racism, bro. This ain't, this ain't help. This is racism. I'd rather talk to the dude that hates me rather than a dude that thinks I'm an idiot, right? And wants to take over and do and reduce my births and stuff like that. I'd rather talk to the one that hates me. And what it sounds like, what it's, I'm sorry, real quick. It sounds like 
what I like about what you just said was um, the racism that's that's kind of in front of your face from a human human interaction you don't care about, but the racism that exists in policy, right? Is what you have a problem with, and I think that's bro, the point. That's what kills us, bro. That's what kills us. Ain't no somebody calls you a nigga, white. Like you a nigga, get out of my face, sir. I'm not working for you. Excuse me, I don't know you. Right? right I don't right. care about that. Right? That because racism it doesn't hurt. Right? I mean, racism hurts our emotions. But say a dude is in the street, he punches me in my face. Now that hurts. I'm going to respond to that in a like manner with a fist. Right? So if you're talking about, if we look at poverty and things in the U.S., we have to respond in like manner. You respond to those poverties; they were created by policy. We need to respond with policy. Yeah. Right? If we're not responding to policies that made us poor with policies that change that, then we're doing it wrong. Oh, he's racist. Okay, that's fine. What are his policies? Right. Because right now we need to address these policies that have caused poverty in our communities. Welfare did not create. I mean, we need to address welfare, but that's not the main issue for us. It's not the my main thing for us. My only pushback is Phil, is that so because you're talking about racism versus discrimination. Because racism is, is a viewpoint. Discrimination is when I do something with that viewpoint. Now okay. I have a policy, like I create a plan. Like if, I, if, I'm, a, right. a, if I'm a boss in a company, I'm yeah. racist, but because I'm in a position of power, I can now discriminate you because of racism. And my mm. only fact is where, because I'm actually kind of with you a little bit, or, 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 like I said, most of us in the middle. So I'm kind of with you with the idea of abortion. Like I, I, I there's two, there, I'm for it in some reasons, but I'm, I'm against it for the same thing you said. I don't think the government should pay for it. In any mm. capacity, I don't, think it should, I don't think it should be in the issues. That should not be hands off of the government wholeheartedly. I'm with you on that one, right. which pushes me towards the conservative side. If we're if we're always doing that balance in the scale, right, like of where mm -hmm. we slide, that area right. that area is an area where I am more conservative. Um, my only issue is with like what John said is when it comes to character, you shape policies or you can shape policies based off of how you are designed, which is mm -hmm. why good people in government because you be can't like. It takes a lot of people to shape a, to write a policy. One person mm -hmm. can write a policy, which is mm -hmm. why like not really, not harping on Trump. Same thing with Obama. I don't give a lot of people give Obama credit for things that was not Obama. Like 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 when I harp, when I brag about Obama, I'm usually bragging about him as a his character as a person. Mm -hmm. his, his team, his the people in power made his policy. It was not him by himself. He was the figurehead. Um, mm -hmm. It's the same thing with Trump. He's the figurehead, so he can't. He by himself can't make a policy. His team can make great policies together, right? And so mm -hmm. when I say that, it's, it's like, if I have too many people who have racist mindsets in those positions, they will make a policy, and they may not do it on purpose, but they do it, they will make a policy that does not benefit my, benefit people who are different. Mm -hmm. and, so, and the same thing is said to Phil's point about Democrats. Just because I have somebody who's Democrat, they're still racist. So when they shape policies, they are shaping these policies without thinking about, they're thinking about their constituents. They're not thinking mm -hmm. about you, they're thinking about their people. Like, and that might not include people who look like me or talk like me or et cetera. You know, yeah. and so, that's why I'm glad you said that, like Phil. That's why I was trying to get to the point of harping about what what are the things that, that lean you towards conservative, but also maybe talk about some things that, but that, that you are more, I don't say more democratic, but lean you towards the left a little bit. That's On the other side. Yeah, I mean, so I'll say this too, and I just one quick challenge. I, I, to summarize what I said, I think that racism is much, sorry, I think pity is much more dangerous than racism, right? Because racism says, I don't like you, you don't like me, out of my face. 
Pity says, I, you need my help. And we know from history that you don't necessarily want people coming in to help all the time because they oftentimes don't do what they intend, intend or set out to do. I just don't want, I see that the pity in the black community has hurt us so much more than racism. Um, mm -hmm. Currently, not maybe in recent, in, in recent past, I mean, far history, but what makes me more liberal? Probably my stance on like black history. I, I believe fully that, and this is not even a, this is actually a bipartisan issue. I think some Republicans agree. I do believe that black people should get reparations. Uh, African-American descendants of slaves, not all black people. Um, I think they should get reparations. I do believe 100% that the condition that black people are in today are absolutely directly tied to slavery and more, more inextricably attached to the last 150 years, I, which I think was much more damaging than racism. Because if you look at history directly after slavery, we had more marriages. The black men had, and black women had skills. We had jobs. We established Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street. We established leadership in, in Georgia that was where we were leading in Georgia. We were the mayor, we were this, we had banks and all that stuff. And the, the rural white folks came in and murdered people there in Georgia as well. That happened all over the country because after slavery, we had been doing for the white people for decades, for more than a century. They didn't know how to do anything. It said sit back, fatten a hog, and maybe count, count money and do charts. But it was over 150 years of Jim Crow, segregation, and everything else that really got us to where we are today, where we have truly, truly been emasculated, where we have truly had our feet cut from under us, even in a way that I think slavery couldn't even do. Because there was a certain level of a dignity that we lost in the last 150 years, not the policies where someone smiles in your face, but they can string you up on a tree, or you know your son whistled at a, a woman and they beat him and throw him in a, in a ditch. I think that last 150 years for us is more written into our DNA. And, That's really, um, good. That's really good. I, I feel that my views on that often sets me apart from the Republican Party. Dennis Prager is a dude that I love to sit and listen to. He's a Jewish guy. He's probably 75 years old. He smokes a cigar and just talks about politics. Prager University is his channel on YouTube. Amazing, amazing stuff. But he'll say what Biden said. Oh, I don't care that these people are criminals because of racism. I don't care that these people have become drug dealers because of their history. The fact of the matter is they're coming after you. They're coming after you, your wives and your children. So we have to lock them up. Um, he said that black people wouldn't be in prison so much if they stopped committing crimes. Nigga, no, 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 no. All of the statistics say, and I feel so bad, I'm drinking coffee because I only got six hours of sleep after that party last night. So uh, I'm stuttering. If you <laughs> I had stayed home, you would have got more I'm rest. Jealous. <laughs> but no, We're not the, jealous. the statistics tell us that um, I done lost my thought dealing with y'all. But no, we, we, we know that, let me, let me get these. What was I saying, Terrence? Somebody was making if baby would stop committing crimes, they would right. Uh, right. So there's no the, it's equal numbers of drug users, drug sellers, etc., across the races. If you go into um Montgomery County here in the DC area, if you go into Chevy Chase, these white boys out here smoking weed in groups, sitting on the porch, but they're sitting at their pool house in the backyard. You can't see them. 
or they're in their mom and dad's basement in their smoke room that has these filters and things. You know what I'm saying? But if you walk down my street, you see four or five guys chilling on their stoop smoking weed and four or five cops drive by. They get out the car and come up, what y'all doing? Did it, you know, and messing with them. Not only that, but then planting weapons and things like that that they've done in DC. So they criminalize us. They over-police these communities and it leads to the more uh, arresting of black people. But people like Biden, and I have to keep saying it, Biden in the 90s, like, I don't care why this is happening. The fact of the matter is that they're breaking the law. And if they weren't breaking the law, then they wouldn't go to prison. And I'm like, that's an old racist trope. And I think that we see that in old racist white people across the board. And I, but I think that that does align me, align me more with Democrats and more liberal thinking than Republicans. Because Republicans are like, if black people stop committing crimes, they won't go to prison. I said, bro, you don't go to prison because you committed a crime. You don't. You go to prison because you got arrested, because you got caught and, and tried and fined. And if and, we stop over-policing, then we won't right, see and, that. And the financial constraint that you kind of spoke to earlier yeah. um, from the link, linkage of race, I mean, not race, just racism, but like slavery, what have you, like it has kind of hope, helped it out in the sense of like we didn't have the money for the correct lawyer. We don't have like it's like right. in every way possible, they have framed it up, like you said, so that we don't have a proper fight. You know what I'm right. saying? When it comes to justice in, in America today. Right. And it kind of leads us back. To, that even leads us back to uh, one of our earlier episodes. Where we said being black in America. It's like yeah, that was a good have this, huh? that was a really good episode. Yeah. Cool. And it just kind of talks about this idea of being black and how. We, I mean, even even to the extent, I mean, we don't have to go dive deep into this, but just even to the extent of our psyche, how we think, the, the fact that we don't believe that we're even good enough to apply for some of the, the programs that Republicans offer. We don't even think about the fact that we're just as qualified because we've been allowed to perceive our thoughts, that the thoughts of America have kind of seeped into our homes. And we're like, well, I, man, how could I ever start my own business? And how could I ever do this? And now what's even funny is that the, with the 18 percent unemployment, we're kind of being forced to think of like, man. I don't got a job now. Now I have to be creative and now I have to be entrepreneurial because now the job that I thought I had that I thought would never fold over, it's folded over. And now mm -hmm. I have to start to you know think from this different lens. I just think that a lot of the, the things you're speaking to, Phil, is a lot of what's kind of plagued older, the older demographic that doesn't necessarily have to transcend into the younger 30-somethings where we could say, you know what, I'm not, I don't think what my dad thought. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. I, and my dad, my dad actually voted Republican. And mm -hmm. oftentimes we talk about and joke about, you know, him being a Trump almost. And to some degree, we've had arguments because he's like, he's a Trump fan. Like he ain't, mm -hmm. he ain't just a Republican. He's like, to me, it's like, you could be a Republican and not be a Trump fan. But if you say you're a Republican and a Trump fan, I'm going to slap you on sight. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but that, but he'll say his thing about Republican nature. And, but you, if you think about it, and I, where I want to push back a little bit to what Tia said, I don't believe there's any upper middle class. I think the middle class mm. is gone. I think it's either you have and you have not. And I think that that's kind of been promoted through with the just, you know, with through our um, government has kind of made to be the point, right? Like, like think about it. In, huh? Like that stupid stimulus. Yeah, I, ain't, I, I, I didn't get, I, you, you made too much. So like, here's the thing. <laughs> you made too much, but not enough. But and that, and that's, 
exactly. And, and <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like literally my wife, same thing. Like you make too much, but not enough. And that's that. It's just that gray area that we all stay within that they want to keep you within. Right. Because mm. if um you did your research within the stimulus, yeah, you got your 1200. But there is a certain demographic of people that made over a million dollars that got a million plus stimulus from that 2.2 trillion people that were millionaires. Got another stimulus, and this, I'm not talking about PPP right now, like the one that the, the um stimulus for businesses. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that pay their taxes and they have they had made over a million dollars, and they and they said, okay, cool, here's your stimulus. You don't get twelve hundred dollars because you don't have twelve hundred dollar type of uh, bills. So here's your mm. million dollars, and here's the thing that you got to be like start to get frustrated about, like how how the heck I need a million dollars and you're giving me twelve hundred. And we're and or we're happy about the twelve hundred. Saying thank you so much, government. This is the best thing ever. And now, and now, preachers, pastors, bishops, whatever. I've went to church and the, like well, our bishop. I mean, not to. I'm not gonna put their name out there, but the, the bishop that was speaking, he was like, you know, th- God looked out for us. God found a way to give us the twelve hundred dollars in the middle of a of a epidemic, whatever, a pandemic. And I'm like, this is how our our brains start to form that we should be <laughs> grateful for pe- pennies. While yep. other people are saying, thank you, I'll take my million dollars in the middle of a pandemic and I'll take that 2.2 trillion or whatever. And you, you give me my million because I already I'm already a millionaire, but give me my million, too. It's just a whole thing of like, what are we doing to kind of feed this new idea of like, I do not agree with what my, my parents thought and think. I now have my own mindset and I'm going to research my things for myself and I'm going to see that your middle class is, in fact. Dead. I thought I was middle class. I thought I had more than most. But the reality is, there's a whole demographic of people. It's just period. You have and you have not. And then nothing right. taught us that more than COVID nineteen. Because yeah. everyone that has is getting tested. Everyone that has is is getting all the products that, that they need in their house, and they're getting a stimulus. You're sitting at home. You have. If you were to have COVID, where would you go? Because Bro. if you don't have the financial uh, wherewithal to kind of maneuver through this this period of time, you will not get tested. And that's why black people are dying dying more. And, mm-hmm. and I, people are always thinking, well, what, what what's in it? What's 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 what, what's what's in with the black bodies make idiot? It has nothing to do with their physicality. It has to do with everything with their preparedness. And as a group of people, we are just not prepared. We don't we're not prepared, and we could be prepared sometimes if we have made some better decisions even with who we've chosen to lead us which like it always bothers my mind that 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 black people not black people people who vote in general we don't even know we put so much stock in the presidential election mm-hmm. and we put almost no stock in local elections oh, i'm not yeah. voting 2018 it's not for the president and i'm like yo are you kidding me right yeah really more important like you're picking your governor. You're picking your state. You're you're out like in Maryland. We have a House of Delegates. You're picking delegates. You're picking people who make laws in your actual community. And you mean to tell me you're not going to go to the polls yeah. and vote because it's not the president who, like, that to me is to, when we talk about educating. Like, you should know your local congressman. Mm-hmm. Like, I got I have people in and like people like in, around here was like Elijah Cummings died. Oh my God, he did so much for us. You don't live in Baltimore. Right. <laughs> like, bruh. Like, yes, I'm heard Elijah Cummins dies because I grew up in Baltimore and I've known since I was a kid. But Elijah Cummins doesn't represent my district. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
like so I, I'm I'm confused as, as to why if you really care about like like how you're growing at, like in your community, etc., you should know everybody who's who is in your community that is on the ballot. Like you, you should it's too much. We have too much technology. I understand if it was 20, 30 years ago when there was no internet where I can't Google these people. But you I should know who's running for office. Like I, I should mm. know that. Like I should know what I'm I remember I'm at the polls last time. What's question 19? I don't know what question 19 is. Bruh, like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I didn't want to legalize gambling. I would have never voted for that. Did you check yes on the ballot for question 21? Right. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. How did you not know what that was? Like, Well, I think they're dependent on the idea of you not being educated. I think that's really that's the hope. What? It's like they'll just, you'll just, like a like a multiple choice question test, you'll just say oh, A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C over and over again and not be actually educated on the actual topics from, from you know, a legislative uh, position. And I think right. even more to the point, I really, after even having this conversation, and I've thought this before in this conversation, but everything is really uh, trinkled down to, or even at its root, is finances. It's really about mm -hmm. finances. and finance. about money. Everything is about the money, man. It has never, ever been about policies. It's never been about who's the proper candidate. It has always been about what amount of money does it cost to do X, Y, or Z? And where should those monies be allocated? And how much money do we have store it up and especially in these drought seasons where things mm -hmm. are all bad like i was talking i was thinking about I, I, you guys know I, I bring up um kevin hart's um his xm thing all the time his uh podcast mm -hmm. or whatever and one of the things that he said that I, I think i said maybe even last episode was he's talking about having to cover payroll and people look at him like oh you know w once COVID hit everybody that needed money or you know whatever they all start hitting kevin hart up because he's like you're a multi-millionaire you got it and then kevin hart had this kind of share with them like I have a staff under me and I'm paying their bills and paying my staff in the middle of COVID without relief. At the time, the 2.2 trillion or what, or even a PPP had not even come for small businesses yet. So mm -hmm. he's out here just sustaining them off of his income until mm -hmm. PPP processes through and hopefully allows him to be able to leverage that money to continue um, paying for their income. The bottom line is even a Kevin Hart salary is questionable in, in, um, in these kind of constrained economies. If mm -hmm. that's the case, how much more are our salaries? That's why we can't even think like, oh, kind of beat our chest and say, oh, yeah, I'm middle class. We got to keep a, a, almost like a lower income mentality while making uh, the upper class money so that we so that when these moments of constraint happen, we're not sitting there with our D's in exactly. our hands. Exactly, bro. And I think that that's one thing we miss out on. Like I was talking to my, um, my godmom, God rest her soul. But she was, um, she would always say, I don't want Uncle Sam in my pocket. They need to do this and do that. And she always complained about Republicans and why she Democrat. I said, you realize you're in a 1%, right? Like she made into her six figures. She was a programmer, had been a programmer for years. Right. And I was like, you don't realize you're the 1%. I was like, all right, let me take you to this website. I said, do it on your phone. She put her income in and she did a calculation. She's in the top like 3% yeah. of earners in the country. Yeah. And that's only at like a hundred something thousand dollars a year because if you look at how many millions of people are below, so Terrence, you, your wife, y'all, y'all probably top two, three percent in this country. And you talk talking about millennials, you're one percent. I'm in the one percent of millennials, mm -hmm. and so are you, because I, I have some idea of what y'all make. It changes from year to year. So like one percent, I think for two thousand nine was like if you make over three hundred fifty or four hundred thousand dollars, maybe four to five hundred thousand dollars a year, right? And you're in the top one percent. So it's even like I know it seems like still a lot of money to some people, but I'm like you're not you're not as far away from it right. as they think. 
Exactly. But, but the bottom line is still the, the same. If we upper, operate under a middle class mentality, it doesn't matter whether we're, our finances say we're in the top 1% if we don't change how we handle our finances. Exactly. So it doesn't really matter. Exactly. Live that. under your means. Right. They, they, they didn't calculate how much debt and bills I paid. When they said, well, he makes this much money, so you should be well off. Nah, nigga, I got debt. Nah, nah nigga, I got bills. Man. Yeah. Right. But whose fault is that? They are my fault. Right. <laughs> they are all my fault. They are not the government's fault. They are my fault and my fault alone. But that's none of your business, Uncle Sam. <laughs> like, you should have gave me my 1200 I should have yeah. got it. All right. I think it's 70000 is like you top 5%. So, oh, I don't even know. Yeah, probably though. Like, we're still up there. No matter yeah. what you, in this area especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me ask this question. What would you rate out of one, one out of 10? I want to get everybody's answers. I one out of 10 for, for Donald Trump. One being he's horrible. 10 being he's awesome. Amazing. What would you rate? The, I mean, I want to know. I genuinely want to know how you think he's done. The, Jeez, now, 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 outside of COVID, if you want, you can say that. But I'm just saying in general, how do you think he's done? That's tough, bro. That's yeah. tough. What do you mean? Overall. <laughs> <laughs> How has Donald Trump done? As I mean, you mentioned that there were okay. certain things that he put in place that were impactful okay. for the community of Black people, and that you thought was good. So obviously, you don't think he's a one. So I'm just saying, well, clearly you must think to some degree he's he's done all right. So what do you think? Um, to be honest, I'll give him like a six point five out of ten. Okay. And the reason being is like, even though he's done, I probably need to give him a seven, give him a C. And the reason being is because I see some, a lot of things that he's done that has benefited the black community in ways that we don't even know um, and benefited the black family. But if you look at the just the type of person he is, bro, and I, I know this, even without me saying that he's a racist, because I don't believe he's a racist, what I believe he is, is a rich, a rich dude that came from a rich family that just had no exposure to black people outside of his little circle. Mm -hmm. Right. So and just like Africans, just like other and I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but other people come into this country, view black people because they don't know any. They view us as lazy, not all of them. But if you're not if you don't learn differently, you can learn that we're lazy. We, we're, uh, we just have bad luck. We may be cursed, whatever. And I think that Donald Trump holds some of that. I don't think he's necessarily hates black people because they're black. Black. I think he looks at black people as if they're just. They're just, they're just not winning. Like they can be great, but a lot of them just aren't. A lot of them are. So I say I'll give him a C because I think he's just ignorant of black people. And I think that because he remains ignorant, he doesn't have the best image. He doesn't treat black people the best way on a personal level. I got the things that he says, but for what he's done policy wise, I got to give him some credit. So I say a C. What'd you say, T? Oh, he gives it. Um, uh, if the economy had crashed, I would give him an E, but it didn't. And so, because when I rate a president, I'm I, I am I I am rating character. He's I'm rating mm. character. I'm rating their their their. Did they do what they said they were going to do when they campaigned? Um, did they go? Did they make? And if they didn't accomplish it, did they make necessary steps? To demonstrate they're they're they trying to accomplish it. So right. it's not like necessarily your base, but you pretty much you campaigned and you pretty much put your money where the mouth is and you went for it. You know, um, 
that's why I rated Obama like so high because I, I, it was very rare for me to see people who campaign and usually candidates do absolutely opposite. That was just to get in. Then I'm in. Screw you. I'm gonna do whatever you do. You know. Um, I would say maybe a D D minus. What's the number? D minus. One a, out of ten. One to ten. Eh, like a like a two. Right. Yes, yeah, so it's got to be an eight. I mean, it's because he doesn't have good character, in my in my opinion. Uh, I agree with. I do wholeheartedly agree with Phil. Said I do not think he's a uh, pitchfork toting racist at all. I don't think that at all. I agree with Phil. Um, but he does not. He uh, he does not even attract leadership to the world. Which I gotta reduce because as the president, you are the chief diplomat, and so we have more countries who now hate us because of him than gravitating mm-hmm. towards us. So I gotta, I have to at that point deduct points from you immediately. You're you're not even putting this promoting us our interest as a nation towards the world. They're they're going the opposite. Um, so mm-hmm. you lose points there. His only points for me to gain is from the economy. But the economy has stayed afloat. But some of that might be at the expense of other people because I, I I do like I can't separate me caring about the, the low not just the lower class, you know. But at least the economy, the 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 economic points, the GDP, like you know the the the, the unemployment rate prior to COVID, they had maintained where they were before Obama left, and if not, got better in some regards. The GDP mm. was growing. There was more production. Um, he did bring some companies back to America, which is what he campaigned to do. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I got to give him his credit for that. And so the economy side is, to me, his saving grace. Everything else, he has failed, to me, in my opinion, tremendously. Okay. Tony? I was going to go with uh, three. Um, simply because of what the, the points that Phil brought up, you know, his policies for um, and different aspects that has benefited us. But I'm also thinking outside of the Black community. Like, how have you destroyed the Hispanic community or you know, the Muslim community and the people that are, are actually, you know, actually doing good here and are not here to destroy anything. Um, and who he is as a person, his character, anything like that, like all of that combined, I would say a three. I can't say in a complete E, one, but I think three would be that, like, giving him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, um, but still not going higher than that because he's not worth anything higher than that yeah uh, i was i'm with uh y'all i mean i'm somewhere around four or five somewhere around like he isn't uh, the worst candidate i've ever seen but he's definitely not the best um the policies yeah like you said um have been great for us for us um some of the things he's carried out some of the things he hasn't done um but uh, but you just can't escape his blatant disregard for people, um, the desire to even be passionate to even the people that have died. I mean, the families that have died, 60,000 people plus that have died from COVID. I mean, just seems to be very like, uh, you know, di- uh, pulled away um, from yeah. the idea of the realness of this tragedy that has mm-hmm. occurred and is occurring for so many people. And I think it's a very basic decency um, that needs to happen. And, and even in the press conferences that have been happening, were happening, thank God, they stopped happening as often as they were. But happening daily where he kind of pats himself on the back says how great he's doing how he loves like uh you know we do, it's so much success in this and that area uh bruh success is not people dying hundreds and thousands uh a week in a day and or day to day 
Um, and I think it just it's it's hard to stomach some of the things you watch him say and do, just to be honest. But when it comes to some of the policy, so it almost kind of makes brings into question the idea of like, would you want somebody that does the policies of what you're you're saying and be okay with their moral barometer being totally off? Like, is that it's almost like a what would you do in that situation? Because like, yeah, they're they're, they're handling your your stuff, but their moral compass is just like trash. It's like, man, what are you doing? Yeah, I go like Phil's point because Phil knows I'm like I'm not like Phil knows I'm not a Republican, but I'm, not, I'm but I'm so moderate that I'm not anti-Republican. You, does that make sense? Like I'm not anti-Republican at all, you yeah. know. But it's to the point where like I almost find myself like I could vote for at this point any other person on the Republican ticket besides Trump. I would pick like like <laughs> like anybody. Like yeah. it's really bad when I kept this is like before COVID. I would I would, give me the idiot, give me Bush back, give me the idiot. Yeah, I, I'll take him back. Um, and I'm just, be, just just being honest. And this is the same guy who literally who who his camp tanked the economy. Mm. Like, makes sense? Yeah. And I, and that's sad to say because I'm judging myself through Phil's lens. Like, well, then you are an idiot, Terrence. Because like, why would you want this guy back when the other guy at least does not take the economy? But like John said, at least I felt like like he was the guy that they, they, we said was a racist. Makes sense, but he ain't never say any. Bush ain't never say any blatantly racist things. Like he, you know, mm. he never said anything that was like blatantly like against women and against cultures. Mm. He just did things that probably weren't did not benefit our people all the time. You know, yeah. like. But here is this this guy who, to Phil's point, on the on the back end, he's not really doing his policies aren't doing anything that's really harming like you know black people not directly, but he says the most. Ignorant, <laughs> he says the most ignorant things. That's like, yo, are you even a human being? But like, right. don't I even. I don't care about blacks. Like, do you even care about anybody else besides rich white people? Like, but what's the, tell me some things he said though. I'm not here to defend him, but I just want to. <laughs> I just want to make the point that what we watch on TV is not necessarily always in context. I'm I not defending him. But some of his statements are, are taken out of context, and we don't mind it because we don't like him. But yeah. really, when you are fair, it's like, all right, cool. It's really kind of out of context. So, Phil, I'm just going to push back. They sh there should not be a context around some of the shit that he says. Like, it should, it, it, to me, at some point, it's just like, For example, don't say it. Like, you for can't. For example, because you can, you can carry that on, and I agree with you, but for example, give me, give me something. I'm like, grabbing women by the pussy. I don't, yeah. care. I, I don't care. I don't care. I'm talking care. about disparaging comments. Some women love to be grabbed by the pussy. I think it's just, I mean, <laughs> I'm talking about things he said about Mexicans, about blacks, about uh, his, his, his initial, His initial point to me, his initial campaign launch, they're coming over here, they're raping our people there, they're criminals. You can't say that. Okay, like, so that's they, one that I was thinking of, out of context. So let, so let, let, let me be fair. Even if you think that, you can't even rap to me. If I'm running for the highest position on the planet, I have to know if I say this like this in any capacity, it's going to offend a large group of people. You can't right. say it. But do you not vote for someone because he doesn't know how to frame his sentences? Yes. Or if you, I think that's silly yes. because if you look at his, if you look at the statement in context, he said that they're coming over here illegally. And it's verbatim, and you knew what he meant. He said, and some of them are not the greatest people. No, That's the sentence. Didn't no, know if, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, in context, <laughs> he said, some of them. He said, they're rapists, 
they're da da da, they're drug da 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 da. He said some, and that's in context, and everybody knew that. But we, because we didn't like him, we just I'm, went ahead with the. Let me tell you what Mexicans. Let me tell you what I'm not about to do. No, okay. Not, not, to what your, not even to what your statement Context. is. I'm not even talking about your statement. I'm talking about overall. I won't even begin to try to find content because of all of this. No, 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 no. I, you say what you want to say on your... You say it doesn't exist. I will allow you to think what you believe and whatever. Hey. I know for sure this fool has said hundreds of things that have been inappropriate. And I'm not even going to go through it all oh, right yeah, now. Inappropriate. I mean, hugely inappropriate. All of us. That's inappropriate. Not with the camera on us, we have it. Exactly. Not with the cool. camera we only have it. I've heard some inappropriate things on this <laughs> on this podcast. I'm also not the free world. So like, I will not. I literally would not. So um, yeah. You, I don't see no, I'm not God. The point is, we the could, point is go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you go. Your point. I'm just saying if you don't like someone, it's cool. I just have never developed that whole, if I don't like you, I'll just, I'll smear you and lie on you type thing. I don't care how much of a racist this dude is. It's just like Terrence said earlier, I don't care how much I'm being being helped. Um, something you said earlier, I said, that's why black people don't got nothing now. So yeah. to my own detriment, if I don't like you, but I know someone is defaming you in a way that's not fair, I'm still going, I'm going to defend that person. And people then have called me a Trump supporter because of it. I'm like, no, you can give me 10 things. Like you could talk about the um, the joint where he said there were good people on both sides. Yeah. I, unlike most people, went back and listened to the entire speech because I wanted to get the energy of the speech. I wanted to get what led up to that point and what he said after. I wanted to get the whole entirety of it. And I think when I watched it, it was made clear that there were people out there that thought we should keep the statue for these reasons. And there were people out there that think we could should tear it down for these reasons. He said there are good people on both sides, but the way that they spliced it, we attached his statement to the people who were running people over by cars, right? Said the people in the cars, there were good people killing people, and there were good people being killed. That wasn't the context of his statement. The context of his statement was that the demonstration that day was about the tearing down of a statue that had been here for decades. Some people thought that we should keep it because this guy had done X, Y, Z. Just like you look at the name of some Rose, Harry Esh, not Harry Truman, there's some really racist people in this state that have names of roads, buildings and stuff like that. We we slowly tearing them down. There've always been some people like, look, yeah, he was a racist. He might've owned slaves, but he was the president all, all or he was this, right? So I'm just saying it's in context, usually you find out it wasn't as bad as they told you it was. I know Phil, but like- it's been, it's been as bad as they told me it is. And let me say this, two things can be true. It could be true that the the uh, news in institutions are splicing it and saying, oh, you know, making it credit to their point. Yeah. And also there have been times where he's done a full briefing with no splicing. I'm watching it happen live and I'm sitting there in disbelief from the things that are flowing outside of his mouth. Offline, send me one example. Offline, send me two. I, I'm going to send you five. I'm going to send you five just for good Please merit. Do. Yeah. I mean, at this point, this part, I my mind goes to movies. And I remember this scene in Avengers when when um when uh, War Machine, which is Don Cheadle and uh the girl were, were looking at the the dude dancing from Guardians of the Galaxy, he's like, oh, so he's an idiot. That's how every time I see Trump. Because <laughs> your point, like, yes, Phil, I, yes, are they spicing? Yeah, but I'm like, bro, you have been in this office now for, for four years. Use a speechwriter. Stick to your talking points. 
But he never does it. And I'm like, so you're an idiot. Like, like he, he is the most, if he's not racist, that's my point. I cannot elect, I cannot elect an idiot. I cannot vote for an idiot. At, at that position, I'm so sorry. I am voting for a 29th Amendment. I just why I think we are 28th. I think we need 27. We there needs to be a rule in which the person who leads the highest country of the, in the of government needs to have some type of political experience. If Trump has not made that so, I'm sorry. I'm over anybody else trying to lead a company. No, in no business can a person lead the company. Who has never worked in that? Who's never worked in that field? Like never, like <laughs> what are we doing as a society? Like how did this person run a company and has never done anything in regards to what that company? Nothing. And but truthfully, I, honestly, T. Obama opened that door. Obama you know, was just as not. He was just as not like in line. Two to be years, bro. Right. Two what years. Two years. I'm just saying, listen, listen all, I'm, all I'm saying is that, listen, listen, before, before, before Obama, before Obama, there's never been a candidate like that, that has only had a few years experience and then became the president of the United but States. Obama had, he, he had more than that. We're not talking about just his national experience. He also was a local government leader. Here's the overall point. All I'm trying to say is that years up until that, before that moment, Obama was the first time anyone with that lack of experience to some degree and that age bracket to some degree was like, oh, he's a little young and he's maybe not as experienced, but, you know, he's, he's talking well. He says this thing, da, 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 and had a grassroots campaign. Basically, he won the election. All I'm trying to say is he gave credence to the idea that maybe the person doesn't have to be. Um, you know, as thorough as previous candidates have been. That's all I'm saying. He, gave, I will, he opened I will, that door. I will lend out his law degree, which also cancels that because he had a degree. He has a degree. In I agree that he had a law. Look, I'm not justifying Trump being in in office. Let me be clear. Like I, I, if there's any lesson that should have been learned from this is that, dagnamit, there should never have been an individual in office that has not proven his track record prior to being in office. But all I'm trying to say is that. The door opened slightly and cracked open slightly because of Obama being president. I got that, you. That's all I'm saying. Um, Tony, did you have one or you wanted? Oh, okay. no, you're good. Okay. Y'all bringing up everything that I'm thinking, so I'm just sitting. Okay, so here's the last one. We're going to get ready to wrap this show up. What will be some of the best advice you could give people or give give uh, our community uh, about the polls coming up in November? Like, what's some good advice you would probably let people know? Like, man, you probably should. Think about this. Talk about that. Research this prior to you voting. I mean, unless y'all still feel like voting doesn't matter at all, then maybe we shouldn't say anything because some of us feel like it may just end up being Trump no matter what. But what are y'all thoughts on that? Would you what advice would you give to a friend or family member about the November election? Well, hey. I'll say one. I think I already said it. You, you more than just Trump. You need to know who's running locally, wherever you are. Wherever you are, who is on the ballot and your what district are you in? What you know, you need to figure out who's is 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 your district up for election because not every district is. I mean, House of Reps run two years, Senate Senate runs every six years. You should know these things. Um, you also should know where you you have to know where you stand politically as far as the political spectrum, and then pick a candidate who at least aligns mostly with your viewpoints. They're not like like we said before, most people are in the middle. So no one candidate is going to have it all. 
And at that point, you're kind of picking and choosing, okay, well, I can deal with this and I can deal with, but I can't deal with that. But you got to know where they stand. You should know what laws are on the ballot. You should know, are there any referendums on the ballot? A referendum, for those who don't know, a referendum is a pretty much, because laws are written by people in government, but a referendum is when they, the government leaders have said, we can't decide, we want you to decide. And it's one of our only opportunities in which a, a citizen can actually pick a law. And so you should know if there are any refer referendums on your ballot, because then at that point you are actually picking the law and not the, the powers that be. And so that's what I would say. Know where you stand. Know what each candidate stands for. It's bigger than just a national election. That to me is not that to me is never like the, the major thing. My thing is always like, you know, local, immediate and then national. Like, you know, and so that's what I would go with. What about um. I will say one, do your research, know who's on the ballot and what is on the ballot as T stated. Also, do your research, learn how government actually works. You know, cause the things that are in play now and being passed now, yeah, you may elect somebody, but you have to understand how the government works and getting things reversed or getting laws changed. Know all of that stuff. It's bigger than just, I'm gonna elect this person because they're black or they're Democrat. You need to know how government works and what it takes to um, pass a law, what it, like how that process works. Because mm -hmm. yes, Trump is president now, but the things that he's doing now that is not in favor of us, it may take years for that to be reversed and changed. And that will later impact our children um, and the future generations. So you got to think big picture as well, not just today or next year. Um, so that's what I say as well. Okay. Um, Phil. I would say, bro, more than anything, <clears throat> before you know anything about anybody, anybody's name, you need to know what you care about. And I think that's where we really, really fail to find significance, where other demographics find all the political significance in the world. We don't know what we want. So like I said, for example, my main thing is the family. Why? I don't know. Something funny, John? I'm sorry. <laughs> Watching ahead. cat videos while we on the podcast. <laughs> cat videos. <laughs> but no, I really think that um that's really why we are in the position we in in many ways is because we come up to the ballot box or to the pamphlets with as a blank slate. I'm here to serve, right? I'm here to I'm here to be somebody's slave today. Let me go through all these candidates. Let me pick one who nah, bro. No, you Black people, we need to see ourselves as sovereign. And I think the other demographics see themselves as sovereign. And what I mean by that is, if I am sovereign, then I have initiatives, I have a purpose, I have a business, I have family, whatever, politics, I mean, political things that I want done. And when I determine what those things are, informed by my faith, informed by my business, informed by my upbringing, whatever forms my personal beliefs and needs, then I go to the ballot box and look through to see what these people are doing. And I may look through and say, nobody's doing nothing that impacts anything that I care about. Right. Right. And in that, at that point, then like, okay, cool. Then you contact them and say, hey, what do you think about this? You research, what do they think about this or that? And when you find that person who's willing to partner with you, it's it's active. It's You can't be a passively, That's good. A, you can't be passive in this political game or you're just a pawn. If you're, you, you are just, a useful pawn, not useless, but useful. Like you are ready to be used like a prostitute in a sense that you only have one thing to give 
nothing intelligent, nothing of real value, but just something that can be used as a means to an end. But like for me, I know looking at my neighborhood, like bro, we need some legitimate restaurant choices out here. We need better grocery options out here. And we need uh, probably some better uh, surveillance. So when I'm going at, towards people who are running for office, I'm like, yo, what are you doing to bring small business to this world, restaurants? What are you doing to do these things? I looked at your platform, there are 12 things that you said I should care about because you care about it, but I don't care about none of those things. What are you doing about this? And I think when we really figure that out and we were informed, not informed voters, but informed investigator, I mean, investigating the candidates as an informed person, then we'll do better for ourselves and our community. Yeah, I love that. I think I think what what we're saying to some degree is not only being knowledgeable, but starting to form some sense of uh, community driven thought processing. Like you know, like yeah, like of course we're in, you know understanding certain things, but as a community, are we kind of like controlling the the way thing legislation is being is voting because of how we have congealed our views into one thing that we're saying, you know what, we're not going to take it anymore yeah. where you just kind of, you know, like you said, um, be a pawn in your uh, charade of a, of a um, election uh, process. We're not mm -hmm. going to do that anymore. We're going to be informed. We're going to have these discussions. We're going to, to start to, um, you know, not just reach out to our local uh, government, but like really take it serious to say, you know, amongst as from a grassroots perspective, we'll have the difficult conversations or the conversations that need to happen that maybe it, it says, hey, low income individual, you don't got to stay like that. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to stay in this space of where you may, you know, have to be, be reliant on the government. You can start to I, I think just kind of creating that hope for individuals that feel like they have to be dependent on a program because and that then because of that dependency i have to vote a certain uh like democrat basically democratic platform it just makes it like you know what the more people start to believe in themselves and start financial literacy the more likely they are to not keep voting for things that you know not be truly beneficial to them because they are upon in right. particular uh situations so i think more that we stop being crippled financially the more likely we're going to vote for something substantive that may last beyond our family currently and our family to be, you know, family to be like our great, like uh, Tony was saying, like our kids' kids. Like this stuff is going to be impactful. The, the, the debt that we're having to uh, deal with right now, the 22 trillion that's now going closer to 25 trillion, that's not on our backs. That's going to be on our kids' backs. Mm -hmm. And they're already, you know, they're already talking about what that debt looks like. So it's like we cannot walk around blind because it only directly impacts us and our kids, period. Yeah. So I think that's what I would say. I mean, a long, long story short of it's just like get your money up and be serious about what you're learning, because if you get your money up, you have a better chance of surviving COVID and surviving after post COVID, you know? Yeah. So and if, go ahead, Phil. I was like, if I can say one other thing, it may be it's, it's related, but a little unrelated. I just was listening to a guy and this is about black people and black community and having significance. He was a Jewish guy. He said one thing the Jewish community has that the black community does not have is that we all are professionals in something. He's like, not that we have degrees. He said, but if I need my grass cut, I call Luigi. That's an Italian name, but whatever. If I need my car fixed, I call this dude. All Jews in his community, in his family. Uh, if I need this, he said, we have a microcosm of people in our community where we can recycle our funds, we recycle our money. So when it comes to politics, they are so well connected, right? They're so well their finances are connected, the economics of their families, all they're so connected. They know we need A, B, and C. 
right. in this community to be great. We need these state laws to change. We need these federal laws. These, these are the uh, nonprofit programs we need. So when a candidate comes up, the candidate comes to them and say, hey, I want to run for office. What do you guys want? Mm. And then they tell them what to put in those 12 points. Mm -hmm. That's power. That's political power. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you are at the point where I'm studying the candidates to find out what they believe, you're already lost. You already lost the political game. Mm. That's good. So like leveling up as a community, forming as a community and making them come to us versus us having to always crawl to them. Exactly. Love it. Love it. Um, that this is a really good conversation about uh politics, man. I didn't know how deep we were going to go into it, whether we we're going to stay type of surfacey or whether we kind of dive deep. But it seems like we have a a, a kind of lens where we're like, we well, no, we're not we're not going to just take it anymore. We're going to just kind of learn uh what it means to be a citizen in the United States of America and be forming our own thoughts and our own opinions. Uh, and I I really enjoyed that dialogue. Thank you so much, Phil. Um, for taking some time out of your out of your early morning, where you whereas you could have been home sleep and had a good a good night's rest, you decided to go out and stay out to two o'clock in the morning, disregarding the uh, government's uh, laws and rules and laws that were uh, for your community. I appreciate you making those but present on this call. Oh, glory to God! So you know you were, you were protection. <laughs> you wanted to be a fat. Hey. Exactly. Exactly. We appreciate your thoughtness uh, in this particular situation. Yo, I wanted to. I wanted to get into COVID, but we didn't, and I feel like that would have just been a fight because you know I'm not scared at all. I think it's all BS. It's the five G. Say not. I don't believe that. Yo. <laughs> Goodbye, sir. <laughs> Goodbye, sir. It's all right. It, it don't got to be real to, to some people. You know, it's all right. It's all right. right. Hey, Phil. Hey, one quick question. What you think about Angela Rye, No, to be honest, I don't. I don't really watch news, man. So I mean, Angela Rye. I know she's on BET and no some other places, enough. but I don't. Right. I, I honestly, I could not tell you one of her views. I couldn't pick her out in a photo lineup. I don't really want. Well, don't she watch be her. she be laying Trump out every day. So if you if you're a Trump fan, <laughs> you definitely if you want me to send you some videos, I, that's the first place I would start. It's just send you to her page because she. Yeah, be I wanted to. Be, I wanted to do some study, man, before I got on. I would have loved to watch some of her videos and that gave you a full response. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know, bro. Anybody who's too emotional about politics, I put them into entertainment category. This is political entertainment. Yo, could you imagine if, if she was like on this joint and he said that? Like, hey, that's what hey, I would have beat the brakes off him. All that, Phil and Angela Rye, like, right, right. All it's that just emotional. Hey, it is. It doesn't take all that, bro. It doesn't take all that emotion. I would look at her like, okay. Very good. I give me a box of popcorn, like oh. shoot. You know, yeah, it's you all that energy, bro. It's just you too need to much. Check her page out because you would you I would love to see y'all together on a on some type of uh yeah, would platform. Be it would be she would be all up in your African uh garments. I'm telling yeah. you. I would have to use some debate tactics, bro, because usually Yo, disarm people that's they might have made they might make a connection, like you know, they might end up dating. There we go. How is I was just about to tell any of our listeners that this African uh, model is uh, available. <laughs> if, you, if you're looking for <laughs> the COVID boo, yeah, man, you get COVID. to get in, get into the COVID DMs. You're gonna be going out because he's still he's still going out, so you will not hey. be. Going out. Hey, I've been inviting a few out. They scared, bro. They scared. I'm As like, they should be. There's no reason to be scared. I'm like, let's get COVID together. 
<laughs> and die together good good strategy good strategy. No, but real talk my family most of us already had it but that's another conversation oh, we okay. already already you had my... throw that grenade in there and walk out huh don't make yeah. this thing at the end now now we seem like a bunch of a-holes and we don't get concerned <laughs> oh they did anyway real talk wrap up like what <laughs> it's not that serious it's not that add an echo to that it's not that serious <laughs> I won't add anything. Actually, yo, I'm going to beep that out. Go ahead. Can I add? I just want to present or offer a uh, a uh, a segment called Coronavirus Confessions, a COVID quarantine COVID confessions. Quarantine. quarantine confessions. Okay. And I got a confession, and uh, you guys can add a confession if you want to. But one confession I have is I decided to watch Channel 5 News one morning, about three weeks ago, and The Real came on after. And I'm an avid, faithful watcher of the real. And um, <laughs> I mean, I've watched it a couple times too. So who's right, the I, get, I get confused with who, like on, between those shows. Who's the host? To be honest, yesterday, the last two days, I watched it on mute. So that'll give you a little bit of an idea. <laughs> of <laughs> so you don't really watch it then? I watch it. Do I listen? Maybe not, maybe, maybe not, but I definitely dumb girl on there from, from Insecure now. The girl I can't stand her. The one who the, one with the raspy voice. The, the one who she so she is always in her feelings. The yeah. like uh the one she she's one she's 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 one of the co-stars of Insecure. The pregnant the drunk oh. pregnant. pregnant girl. Is she the one that's on the real? Are you I talking about Amanda so. Seals? Amanda Seals, yeah. I can't stand that wench. I love Amanda Seals, her voice, little oh, raspy oh. voice. Stand her. You, you, I don't know her from the show, but I know her from the real. And like, yeah, she, I can't stand that. It's movie. all right. It's all right. Y'all got to calm down. Y'all got to yeah. yeah. Tamara Maori. Yeah. From Sister Sister. Jenny May. Adrian, uh, what's her last name now? Are you there for the I can't? Oh, um, Houghton, 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 Houghton. Adrian Houghton. I mean, that's the first reason why I'm there, but you know, I'm not a uh, massage. You know, I can. What, you I listen, you're, actually listening, you're actually listening to them. That's well, not no, it's we, a, it's a, but it is an entertaining show. I enjoy the show when I watch it. And one day they interrupted it with this whole hurricane podcast, hurricane report, and I was pissed. I was mm. pissed. But that's one of my, that's my quarantine wow. confession, bro. I, I'm a, I'm I don't a, know if anyone else has any. The I real watcher. No. Yeah, I think one. I think one thing we will do that I think we should think about is like, uh, what are we all watching during this COVID nineteen? We'll probably we'll probably make um the next episode about what are we watching, what's good, what's bad, what's stupid. Because mm. I know Black Black AF came out, and I know stupid. Uh, Phil has hey hey Phil has some <laughs> views about. Don't disclose any views right now because we're gonna do it for the next episode. And Phil, we want to go ahead and invite you on that next episode right now, so you can come oh, on in here. And yeah, and uh, give us your opinion of, of Black AF and why you think it's stupid. And we'll provide... I actually am going to be on the other side of that argument, so I can't wait to I have that it, conversation. I yeah, might... We'll just save that for next time. Yeah, we'll save it for next time. For Terrence, are you going to watch it? Before? I've seen it. Oh, you've seen it? Okay, cool. So I've everybody's seen it. Seen I, haven't it. Finished it. I haven't finished it. We hey, feel we like we it. have to like it. That's why. If you Okay, but. you know what? We're not talking about it right now. And listen, <laughs> if you haven't seen Black AF just yet... Look at it, listen to it, or whatever. So when we're talking about it, it won't be any spoiler alerts happening because it's been out for a minute anyway. Um, but anyway, we guys, we thank you so much. We get, thank you so much for checking us out and listening to our podcast. Um, Terrence is gonna do our real talk wrap up right now. All right. So I know I haven't done this in a while, 
So I thought I would start this because we talked about politics and it got a little deep. I thought I would go back to some jokes. Y'all ready? Okay. Here we go. Ready. Politicians and diapers have one thing in common. They should both be changed regularly and for the same reason because they're full of shit. <laughs> Good job. All right. Here we go. When asked if they would have sex with Bill Clinton, 80%, 86% of women in D.C. said not again. Oh, <laughs> anyway. wow. All right. Wow. All right. <laughs> Here we go. What's Donald Trump's favorite nation? Discrimination. Oh, wow. <laughs> These are horrible, bro. That right. joke. How do you know you're reading one of Donald Trump's books? Because it starts on chapter 11. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you are loving it. <laughs> Not good. I got one more. That's the last one. All right. Thank All right. God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Republicans said Biden is not going to win without blacks, Hispanics, gays, or Jews. The Democrats said, oh, you mean Americans? Oh, wow. All this aside, everyone keeps saying that the most important elections of our lives is it happening this November. And that's just a few months away. All throughout the campaigns last year, all the candidates kept saying that they don't think any. They don't think so anymore. Um, they think the most important. They think the most important election history is, is 2020. That was the most important election. That's all we're hearing about people on the campaign trail. But you know what? I don't think so anymore. What if the most important election in our lifetime already happened? Just think about it. Imagine our country. Imagine your world prior to Tuesday, November eighth, 2016. Let's go further. Imagine our world after that dreadful Friday on January 20th, 2017. Mm. I mean, most of us thought we knew what was at stake, but did we really know? Like, did we really know what was at stake? I mean, we now know that at stake were healthcare plans, immigration policies, a generation of court seats, and now so many lives that would have that have not been lost if it was not for the coronavirus, if we were under more capable leadership. I seriously do not know this country anymore. It was it was un-American to kneel in order to exercise your right to free speech, but somehow pro-American to defy the government orders and march on Washington because you can't sit your grass in a house. Trust me, it's more to it. So, Phil, keep those raised eyebrows, okay? There's more to it than the, I know, all right? All I'm just saying is I don't recognize this country anymore. Like, what in the De Deborah Cox? How did we get here? Like, how did we go from one of the most charismatic leaders, most well-prepared, highly educated, worldly renowned and respected leader of the free world in Obama to Sergeant Doofus? Listen, I know I speak for many people when I say this. I miss Obama. I don't speak for Phil, but I know I speak for a lot of people when I say I miss Obama. And whether or not people want to admit it, the country misses Obama. I saw an article in the Business Insider that highlighted 33 photos and had 33 reasons for each that show why we miss Obama. One, he was the definition of presidential. He was amazing with kids. He was amazing with teenagers. He was extremely affectionate with his wife and with his family. Obama made friends with world leaders. He kept his, school, his cool even in the most heated situations. And he was also never afraid to show emotions and they were always authentic. Did he always make the best decisions? Of course not. 
There are actually, believe it or not, several areas in which I think Obama had, has failed us and could have been a better president. But the one thing about Obama is I never doubted his authenticity. I never doubted his heart. I never doubted his preparation. And I never doubted that he at least acted in the best interest of others and the nation. You see, being president is not just about your constituents. You no longer represent those who elected you, duckface. You represent all of us. So yes, I am a Democrat, but unlike most, I know why I'm a Democrat. I know where I am on the political spectrum, and that's important. I am a progressive, but I find myself, as we talked about earlier, in the middle. Yes, I am all for equal rights. However, I wholeheartedly think that this nation has pulled away from certain values. I do think we should legalize marijuana, largely because of the inequities the policy represents, but I don't think taxing the rich rich in order to pay for the poor is the go-to for everything. In fact, I think that's a horrible idea. I do I do think we should put a limit on guns and I do think climate control is real is a real thing. However, at times I do think we should put our nation first above all other things, which is one of the areas I do appreciate Trump. So I'm throw that out there. To sum up, at times I swing left, at times I swing right. Pause. All right. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is why my disapproval of Trump is not an issue of Democrat, Democratic or Republicanism. It is an issue of common damn sense. He's an idiot. And there is no way we can elect, we, we I'm going to say I, there is no way that I can let this idiot win another four years. Listen, I don't know this country anymore. I truly don't. I am not a strong supporter of Biden either. I wish Romney or the late John McCain or another worthy Republican was on the ballot because they probably would have my vote. Unfortunately, it's Biden versus the dummy. And if you vote for any anyone other than Biden in November, after all the crap that we have to deal with, all the idiotic decisions this fool has made, if you vote for him in November, it's not the president that's the dummy. It's you. <clears throat> wow. Sorry, Phil. That's all I got. <clears throat> Dang, he let Phil say all his uh, stances and his points, and then he's like, basically, you're the dummy. <laughs> God dang. Hey. It's like a rap battle in here, man. Jesus. <laughs> T.J. Waddy versus T. T. Robinson, Instagram Live. But look, T is written. T is written. Mine is off the top, so I went off, off GP. Hilarious. Hey, Phil, <laughs> Phil, can you share your handles, your handles with everybody? Oh, dang. Uh, PJ Waddy. Anywhere and everywhere. PJ W A T T Y. Oh. I see you, bro. Folks, I thought right. PJ Twatty for the longest time. Oh, right. Any, look, anywhere and everywhere. That includes Cash App, Venmo, uh, Zell, at PJ. Ain't nobody giving you a Republican tail no money. <laughs> you I good. request some money from hey. Right. I was going to say, get that request. I, I'm to request right now. Invited <laughs> requests get blocked immediately. <laughs> As always, guys, thank thank you for listening to uh, our podcast, and we want you guys to follow us on Facebook. Um, we are doing to kind of clean up our content on Facebook, and we're hoping that you guys will share um, the podcast that you listen to and that you enjoy. Again, we're also on Instagram as well. Um, you can follow us at Relentlessly Real Podcast. Again, that's Relentlessly Real Podcast. If you want to submit topics, you can submit them to Relentlessly Real Podcast at gmail.com. Now, again, that's Relentlessly Real Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to talk about whatever you want to hear about. Um, we 
honestly are here to serve you. We're here to talk about things that are important to our community. And we want to make sure you guys are enjoying this COVID, even though it's not, you know, the greatest situation of all. We want to keep content flowing your way. So whatever you can do to offer your support, spreading the word, telling people about us, um, you know, putting it on your Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever social platform you may have. Additionally, man, we really would love you to like leave a leave a um what is that thing called? Leave a review. Now that's what it is. A review about our uh, podcast and like tell us what you think. Those reviews help us uh, raise in the rankings uh, for iTunes and then people will be able to find us a lot easier. So the more reviews you guys do, especially those five stars that you give to us, because I think and I believe you're going to give us five stars. If you do that, it makes us go higher in the rankings. So please, please, please take some time today. You ain't doing nothing. Everybody's sitting at home anyway. Go ahead and log on your computer and leave a, a good review about it, because I know y'all sitting there doing absolutely nothing. My name is John. I'm Antonio. And as always, I am Terrence. Still Terrence. And uh, we have Phil on the, on the line with us today. Hey, Phil. And we'll, hey. See, we'll see y'all next week. Thank y'all. Peace.